Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As a talk radio host, I am uh, super vigilant about uh, me not using on the airwaves the word like. Because I was taught it's not a good thing in radio to be like, oh, we'll talk about like this and then coming up like later, we'll talk about. But I, I've recently found that maybe it's not as bad a word as I think. Uh, joining us on the show, she's a professor of linguistics at the University of Nevada, author and professor Valerie Friedland. Valerie, professor, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I, I'm like really excited to have you on the air uh, because I, I try my best to not say the word like uh, on the radio because when I hear other folks on the radio say it, I, I, especially if they overuse it, 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 I get a cringe factor. So I'm, I'm really I try not to say it, but it comes out a lot. But through your research, like isn't a bad word after all. You know, I think a lot of people share your cringiness with that word, but a lot of us don't understand where it comes from and why we use it. And so we have this built-in dislike towards these new features that creep in that we see as meaningless or useless or they don't exactly have a literal meaning to them which like doesn't seem to have and it's used as a discourse marker so our automatic response is it's bad but while you might be right about not using it on the radio because there's an expectation for certain kinds of um, more formal speech or more standard speech in that context in our everyday conversations, like is a really, really handy little word, and it operates in a variety of ways to help us express ourselves. When did the, the word like enter the vernacular and become so commonplace in American speech? Do, can we pinpoint an era or a time, a decade, when like became such a thing that we, we say so often? I think that's a great question because like has been around a lot longer than we think, but there was a certain period in the 80s and early 90s where it really started to take off. If we go back in time and we look for the first use of like as a discourse marker where it's not used as a verb, for example, or as a noun, as in likes and dislikes, we actually find it in the 1700s in British uh, transcripts and British literary work. So like as a discourse marker is actually quite old. But in American speech, where it seems to have exploded and become this phenomenon that we notice in our speech today, seems to have been triggered by the Southern California speech styles in the 1980s and 1990s that really exemplified like use in songs like Moon Unit Zappa's Valley Girl song. Yeah, I mean, Valley Girl, I was like, well, that must have been when it, it originated. But you're going back to the 18th century when when this became a discourse marker, as, as you linguistics like to call it. <laughs> exactly. That's the fancy word for it. Yes, we find it um, not only in literary work. So, for example, in uh, literary work from 1788, we find like use as a discourse marker. That's the earliest literary use we find. But when we look at trial transcripts from the old daily proceedings in Britain, which was just witness depositions and things like that that were transcribed verbatim in the 1700s. 
uh, we actually find light used as a discord discourse marker quite frequently in those transcripts as well. So it has been around for centuries, but it's really been highlighted and used to a greater degree in the last 30 years or so in American speech. So it's definitely not as American as apple pie. Talking to a professor of linguistics at the University of Nevada, Valerie Friedland on the Mark Aram Show. You actually wrote a book about this called Like Literally Dude, Arguing for the Good and Bad English. Um, so this is a passion for you. This this discourse marker is a passion. <laughs> well, the book is actually about a bunch of different things we love to hate in our speech. So like is one of those. It's one chapter, but literally used non literally, for example, is another. Dude is another. Uh, singular they is in there. Um and uh, why we use our filled pauses. So every chapter in that book is about one of these speech, speech features that we think is awful that has a really surprising history and purpose. But like was what triggered me to write the book because I heard about it so frequently. People ask me all the time where it comes from, why people use it. And in fact, one person after a talk I gave asked me if I could help get rid the world of like, which if only I had that power. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned um and ah, uh, and I just assumed before I was enlightened by your piece that the word like was was replacing uh and um as folks, you know, just use, I don't know what the correct term is for that type of speech where you, you're gathering your thoughts or you, it's just a pause in the conversation. I just assumed that it like was an um or ah uh alternative. A lot of people do assume that. They assume it's what we call as a linguist a filler word, a filler a filled pause, which is what um and uh are. But like patterns quite differently, in fact. And for um and uh, you're right, it's a speech planning device. So when we are thinking of harder, more complex, more abstract, more difficult things, we tend to find an increase in umming and uhing. Um, and actually, there's some really interesting research that suggests that helps our listener process what we're saying. So when we say uh or um, we find that people actually remember what followed the um or uh better than if we didn't have an um or an uh there. So they're very useful. But when we compare the use of um and uh to the use of like, we find they do not pattern the same way. And in fact, like does serve a function. It's either used as an approximator instead of the word about. So he was like 12 years old. Or it's used as a focuser or emphatic device to help bring a subjective awareness to what someone's saying. So something like, I was waiting like 12 hours for you, which is emphatic <laughs> in the sense that you probably didn't wait 12 hours, but I'm pretty annoyed. Understood. <laughs> That's the, the meaning it conveys. Or it's used as a quotative verb where it introduces what someone was thinking. So I might be talking about what I was thinking when something happened, and I might say, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. So those are actually pretty substantive uses that have a semantic meaning, whereas um and uh themselves have carry no semantic meaning. I might be way off on this, Professor, but I believe that me and, and a lot of the listeners will prejudge someone on their speech. So if, if someone uses an abundance of likes in, 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 in conversation or ums or uh, we prejudge and go, this person isn't very intelligent. Uh, are we wrong to prejudge? Is, is the, an overuse of like or ums or ah uh, has no indication or uh, on, on a person's intellect or ability? There are really two important things about what you just said. One is that we do indeed evaluate speakers based on the way they talk. So a lot of times when people use things different than what we would use or that we consider bad speech based on our beliefs from either English class or the way that we learned growing up, we think that they're uh, less intelligent because of the way they speak or they're uneducated. 
when in actual fact, it's often just a different linguistic style they have learned that might be based on things like their gender or their ethnicity or where they're from um, that we use to judge them on. But the other thing is overuse is different than use. And I'm not I'm not validating in my book or when I'm talking about like the use of it every sentence, every word. Uh, same thing with um and ah, that can be distracting and actually doesn't really add to what you're saying. What I'm talking about here is the use of it in purposeful functional speech when we're using it for the purposes like approximation or quotative verbs, or when we are stopping to pause to think about what we're saying in the speech planning context with um and ah, those are valid uses and shouldn't be judged. Of course, that's different than someone that uses them every single word, and that's distracting. So I think I'm not validating overuse. I'm simply validating use. Author Valerie Friedland joins us on The Mark Aram Show. She's a professor at linguistics at the University of Nevada. Generationally, do we see differences in speech discourse markers, uh, baby boomers compared to the Gen Zs? Do we see a shift in in how we talk through the generations? Oh, absolutely. And that's probably one of the most fundamental divides is the generational one. And particularly with light, when we look at research on who uses like, even though a lot of times we associate use with women, the reality is actually used more by speakers under the age of 40. So while you might have a few uses um, in the older population, for example, as an approximator instead of about, that's fairly common across age groups. But quotative like is very common, mainly among people under 40. So the generational divide for like is very strong and sharp, which is probably why speakers notice it if it's not in their own dialect, because it feels like it's something wrong, because that wasn't in their age group at the time when they were growing up. But teachers more generally come in the mouth of the young because they're more flexible socially and more flexible cognitively. So they can learn new patterns, which are kind of like old dog, new tricks kinds of things for us old speakers. We're just not able to pick them up in the same way young speakers are. Paradoxically, I use the word like too much and I try to limit it on the radio, but I recognize it when other radio hosts say the word too much. It's, it's a, I'm, I'm cutting a, a hamster wheel here because I, I, <laughs> I, I don't want, because I just think, you know, day-to-day conversation is much different than broadcasting to a million people on the radio and I want to perform the best professionally I can. And I think I the the more I use the word like, the the less credibility I will have with listeners. Because when I hear other radio personalities use it, I, I ding them up. I go, oh, I can't believe he said like three times in two seconds. Well, you know, it's really funny how we get tied to certain features because we all have things in our speech. So if I do an analysis of someone's speech, I can point to a number of things that they do that are more informal or colloquial that they probably don't even realize they do. Um, so it, we pick things that bug us in other people's speech, even though we do a lot of those own, those things in our <laughs> exactly. own speech that might be different. So like is one of those things some people notice. Some people really like it, consider it sort of informal and intimate and relaxed. Um, but if it bothers you, you notice it everywhere, which is, you know, the frequency illusion. So once we notice something, it seems like it populates everybody's talk all the time. But the trick with like is there's so many different functions for it that it can feel like it occurs quite often. So, you know, you say things like seems like, pretends like, feels like. If you use those on the radio, which I imagine you probably do, 
then those in the 19th century would have been considered highly vernacular and vulgar. And in fact, if you look at literary works, we only see that kind of like used in the speech of lower class speakers. But by the 20th century, we find it used in literary works for all sorts of speakers. So it's just a matter of growing used to the types of new features that come into our speech every day. So fascinating. All right. I know there's a lot of folks listening right now. Their kids uh, overuse the word like as a discourse marker. Should parents be concerned? Should they try to stop getting their children to use like as often or just let it let it be? If only parents had influence on their speech of their teenagers, that would be amazing. I have teenagers myself, so I do entirely get it. And I am trained in language. That doesn't mean I don't cringe when they say certain things. But the reality is your influence on your kid's speech when they're adolescents is pretty negligible. You have an influence on your kid's speech when they're younger. You sort of set the foundational dialect. But peer group pressure is much more intense on kids as they go through adolescence. And this is the time of the formation of new dialect patterns. But what we find is something called age grading, which means that as kids age up into the professional world, into the more formal speech world of adults, they tend to start to limit their use of features that don't serve them well in those contexts. So they will do this naturally. You're telling them not to do them will only make them want to do it more. So <laughs> shocking, shocking. I would say, don't worry. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, Professor, thank you so much for your time. Tell the folks about your book and where we can pick it up. Sure. Thank you for having me. My new book is with Viking Penguin Press, and it's called Like Literally Dude, Arguing for the Good in Bad English. And you can get it anywhere books are sold uh, or at your neighborhood bookstore, which would be great. Amazing conversation. Thank you so much for your insight. I, I could spend hours talking linguistics, but I really appreciate your in-depth coverage on the word like and its uh, meaning in society and speech. Uh, Professor Valerie Friedland, and you have a website, ValerieFriedland.com. Yep, yep, you can find me there as well and all the stuff I write. Excellent. Professor, thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.